Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Tulsa World Opinion podcast and video. I am Jenny Graham, editorial's editor at the Tulsa World. I'm Bobby Set, editorial writer and columnist. And there's really just kind of one topic today, for the most part, guns. We talked about it last week. And, uh, you know, last week it was all about Uvalde and the 19 children and the two teenagers that were gunned down. And then it hits Tulsa. And it was, it's been a very frustrating, somber, upsetting, names and adjectives. Frustrated. I don't know. I Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it is, it just seems like a cyclical. Oh, it's cyclical. We just keep it, doing it, it over and over ending. again. See, but I, I, I don't think it's, it's never ending. We're, we're yeah. a country always in trauma. And you'll hear after every mass shooting, now's not the time to talk about policy. Now's not the time. It is the time because there's never a downtime. We just lurch from one tragedy to the, another. And now we're to the point of mass shootings aren't even making national headlines all the time because the body count's not high enough. I mean, that's where, I mean, that's what's upsetting is that we, we've grown so accustomed to it that I'm worried for us. So the New York Times, an, an online headline was something about the what happened in Tulsa and is saying, well, you know, it was not as bad as it could have been. Yeah. Not as bad. And this is this is not an, a gun apologist organization or just somebody that's like trying to cool tempers or whatever. I mean, this is a news agency in an online headline saying it wasn't as bad as we thought it could be. Right. Cool. Great. Not as bad as we thought it would be. But, we, you know, we're putting two doctors a patient or a receptionist and then a patient's husband in the ground, in addition to the uh, the person who shot these people who killed himself, right on the heels of a mass shooting down in Taft, which one person died right off the heels when 19 children and two teachers got killed in Texas. And we can go back to Los Angeles with the church. And then before that, Buffalo in a supermarket, we just keep putting people on the well, ground with these things. And we're it's 233rd. Like, I mean, this year, Tulsa's please. 233rd. Taft, which was a mass shooting in Taft, Oklahoma, just on Memorial, it's the Sunday Memorial Day weekend, that was 228. <clears throat> I mean, this is every day. And, and because the body count didn't get high enough, we don't hear about them. My, my sister was wanting the next day after Tulsa's uh, shooting. She wanted to find out more information, so she tuned into the national news, you know, broadcast, and she was frustrated because they didn't have anything because it was the Queen's Jubilee. And she <laughs> goes, you know, there was a time when something like that would have been new, would, would have made the national news. person bursting in, I mean, remember yeah. the post office shooting back in the 80s in Edmond? Yeah, in Edmond. I mean, yeah. that was national news. I wonder if it would be now. You know, that's kind of where we've gotten to and it's and i'll admit after sandy hook i was and i think i spoke about this last week i was jaded and upset and i just sort of thought and i was disenfranchised at that point i'm like you know what i'm tired of you know when i would express my opinion people would label me as this ultra liberal who wants to ban guns which is patently untrue completely untrue and so i just got tired of it and in the meantime and so that silence 
meant allowed extremists to take control. So now they we have did. less protections than, you know. So I, I think for those of us who are sort of in the middle and want some limitations, and we're not talking about banning, although I do think we ought to relook at some of these assault weapons. Do we really need to make these so publicly available with little to no background checks? But we have people out there wanting to ban red flag laws and extreme risk laws, which would help get people in crisis and people who are, you know, people think who, who their loved ones around them think are going to either kill themselves or others or both. Mm-hmm. There are people fighting that. We talk of mental health, mental health, mental health. And then when you actually want to put something in place, oh no, 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 it's an infringement. No, it's not. If you're a law-abiding person with no felony records, have your guns. No problem. Yep. But the status quo is killing us. You know, I think, boy, there, there's so many layers to this thing too. Because I mean, when you're talking about gun control or gun violence, things are not it's not a monolithic thing. The problem with mass shootings is related to semi-automatic rifles is different than what you see with people committing crimes with a semi-automatic pistol, which is different than people committing suicide with firearms, which is different than a number of other things related to firearm safety, crime, and public health. So it's obvious that if you pass a gun control law, it's not going to stop all gun deaths. But that's true of any law. You know, it is against the law for me to go to the quick trip around the corner, pick up a six pack of Coke or beer or whatever, and walk out without paying for it. That's against the law. People still do it, but it is a deterrent for some people to just say, well, I'm just going to steal it because I want to. Oh, I better not because the cops are going to get me. Murder is illegal. That doesn't mean murders aren't happening every day in this country, but it is illegal. And the fact that there is a deterrent to stop you from killing someone just because you can means there's probably a lot less murder and death in the world today that surrounds us. So I think it's a disingenuous argument that people will say, well, if we pass this law, it's not going to stop someone from getting a gun and killing somebody. Well, it's not going to stop all of these things. We know that, but it's going to stop some. And I think that's what kind of we're looking for to start with is if we can, if there was a law that made a waiting period of a couple of weeks, then the guy- I'll live with three days for right now. A cooling some, off something that Yeah, something to where, let's say the, the guy who, uh, who killed these people down at the clinic at St. Francis, what if there was a, a couple more weeks where his treatment plan reduced his back pain? And then he thought, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. I'm not going to go buy this gun and kill this doctor. What if we had a law that made it to where the kid in Uvalde, you know, could not buy an AR-15 and, and shoot up that school for another three years, maybe in the span that, of three like years. Raising the, the age limit. Yeah. yeah, raising the age limit. Maybe in three years, that guy decides he doesn't want to be a homicidal ki- child-killing maniac. That's We're not saying that they're going to stop all of these things, but you got to start thinking about what can you do instead of just lying down and saying, this is just how we live now. Well, that because argument it's, is also very defeatist. It's like, well, we just can't yeah. stop them, so what's the point? No, that's not where you don't give up because you can't stop all of them. You keep going until you can make a difference in, in, in this gun violence. Yes. Right, and, and, and I refuse to believe 
that we cannot find areas of agreement. I mean, maybe the extremists, the absolutists, okay, we've let them have control. We have put more guns out in the country. More guns, failed experiment. It's done. We have more guns out there than we've ever had, you know, any other country and it's failed. We're now more unsafe than we've ever been. And this idea that we just have to live with the fear, well, you just have to, no. I think that we can come together and find some areas that protect your rights. If you want a gun and you, like I say, you know, there's no reason not to, but we've got to find some areas that will stop this. Part of it is we need to do some research. The 1996 Dickey Amendment stopped federal funding in effect for 20 years. So it's hard to come up with data-driven policies when the gun lobby and manufacturers got Congress not to fund research. So that's a place to start. Along with, yes, of course, mental health, of course, all these things. But right now, no one's doing anything. And I really want to, and I'm hoping people know, you know, ask, I'm going to ask candidates, what are the limits you can live with? Some are saying none. Some are absolutist and like, nope, fine. But I want to know on the record where, what can people live with? Because are we, is this really the best we can be? Do we really have to live like this where we're, fearful of going to a doctor's office and, and schools and a concert. I mean, come on. So yeah. I, I just think at this point, Americans need to say enough and start asking where, what, what limits can you, can you live with? That's my challenge to everybody out there listening. Ask that something, question. Something I'd like to do to suggest to gun owners or would be gun owners is to rethink the mindset of what a firearm is. So <clears throat> we have this tendency right now among some that makes this thing almost a semi-religious object, um, sacrosanct. Uh -huh. And I don't think that's healthy for a lot of reasons. I mean, this it's kind of like your your own rifle or pistol or collection is like your own personal Excalibur or something like that. And really it's, it's not that. We need to have a healthy relationship with what a firearm is and what it can do. You know, whatever that might be. But you take a gun safety course, they're really, really strict about, you know, hey, when you don't point it at anything, you don't attempt to shoot, you don't put your finger on the trigger until you're ready to shoot. You don't even take the safety off until you're ready to shoot. And you need to make sure that you know what you're shooting at, not just blindly firing away. You know, that's just me scattershot in some examples of basic safety. You know, walk in front of a firing line. If you see someone in the firing line, your muzzle goes up. You know, these kinds of things show respect for the firearm. But what doesn't show respect for its power is if we're treating this just like some other consumer good. It's not a car. It's not anything like that. It's not a blender. It's not name your thing. It's it not is. a hammer. I think you said it earlier. It was, it's a tool meant to kill. There's no other use for a gun other than to kill something. Yeah. Unlike a car and some of these other things. So, um, and you know, you mentioned that the training, I went through the concealed, when <clears> we had concealed carry and you had to go through training and pay for a license and background checks. I did all that back in the day before 
we had this open constitutional carry. And I learned things in the training. I mean, it, it's, you learn, you, you learn a little more about it and, you know, the law, the safety. Um, I had no problem going through a background check, you know, I have nothing. And so I'm not against guns, but I am against where we're at now, which is we're doing nothing. And, and we've got to find some areas of agreement and we just, but you're, this culture is, I think I called it idolatry that we've had yeah. this gun idolatry where, you know, people want to have more weapons and, and I don't understand it. I, I don't, um, I do understand there is a, in Oklahoma in particular, there is, you know, a thought out there that we have to arm ourselves. And this is, a, we talked about this earlier in the day, the view of the second amendment being, we have to protect ourselves against the, our government that our government will one day come for us. Mm -hmm. Problem is right now, we have more people who are insurrectionists. You know, we live in a state where anti-government people blew up a federal building and killed 160. Yep. We have had, you know, Elohim City, remember those days of the, you know, mm -hmm. white nationalist cults that are anti-government. And so I don't see the government being the problem. I see these sort of fringe gun absolutists who want to attack our government being more of that problem than anything else. But, but you're right. It, it, there's something in our culture that it, and again, all of these mass shooters are, are men and boys. What's going on there? Maybe we're getting into mental health, but we have to start somewhere. And we're going back every time we have a mass shooting, more guns are sold probably to people who already have guns and, and we pull laws back. So Pendulum's gone way too far. The middle has not spoken up. So I, I think we need to, I think we need to speak up more because silence again, we all, all my silence and all of us who, who sort of got jaded after Sandy Hook, we just left the door open for things to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. And, you know, it's a huge responsibility to be a gun owner. Um, I would like people to take that a little bit more seriously. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's not a rite of passage or anything like that. It's a serious consideration to buy one because you have to consider what is it that you're going to do with it when you actually use it. You know, the potential for taking a life or the potential for this object being taken from you you know, someone stealing it or something like that, or just someone in the household messing with it, accidental shooting deaths, suicides, things like that. There is hardly anything else that you can go out and buy a product that you can buy that is one decision away from instantaneous death. That's what a gun is, any kind of gun. But when you go down the road of the different types of guns, if I want to go bird hunting or whatever, you know, I'm going to get a shotgun. You know, at least that's a somewhat of a multi-purpose thing. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to go out and buy an AK-47 or an SKS or an AR-15, whatever people are saying about their, their hunting applications, and I personally don't think they're very good for that kind of thing, unless you like your, your, uh, your game animal torn to shreds. Those things were designed, the AR-15 itself was designed as a military weapon. And from Randy Kriebel had a great story on this, talking about that history. 
And from that prototype, we developed fully automatic weapons for military use. Well, if it was good enough when Armalite first developed this to consider it for military use, we've got to ask ourselves if this is something we just want that's out there as easily as an air compressor or a stove or a refrigerator, just floating around out there, these types of weapons. Um, I don't know. Yeah, one of the things is this last shooting, it really brought, it brought this issue to our doors. I think a lot of Oklahomans and a lot of Tulsans, because we haven't had that kind of mass shooting, it was all abstract. It was all somewhere else. This makes it real. And I got to tell you, when I was reading about the victims and I was going online, and I, I, it really, it got to me because they lived lives just like us. They were on yeah. boards, the boards that I, we've known and covered. I mean, one of the one doctor was in a sorority at the same time I was at o, OU and I knew people, girls in that house and, and, you know, oh, and then the one husband who was shot after he opened the door to help his wife escape. I mean, just they're heart wrenching stories and these are not, and I think we've gotten to the point where are the victims of these have become numbers and they're people and they're our neighbors and, it, and it's heart wrenching. Yeah. You have to remember that when you say I've got to keep my 80 weapons because the government's going to come for me one day, that's not as likely as someone now bursting into a doctor's office and opening fire. There's, we want to talk about Christian values. Christian values is about sacrifice, listening, doing things for the betterment of our world. And I want to see more of that. And I'm not seeing any of it right now. So, um, so anyway, I hope I hope we can do something about this. And I, my heart bleeds and breaks for, for these families, their friends. And yeah. um, I hope, Tol and I think Tolson's will come through with this, but, but more has got to be done. And we've got to have our leaders go on the record to actually do something. Great. Thank and pray. Wonderful. Not against that. Then after that, you need to, you need to put something in action. What can you do tomorrow to make a difference? That's what I'm looking for now. So, um, and on those lines, mm -hmm. we do have politics happening. And a lot of this is politics. We have uh, endorsements coming out. So we're going to, you know, our Tulsa world, a tradition, and everyone asks, why do you still do endorsements? Doesn't that show bias? Well, it's the opinion section. We give opinions. We do analysis. And part of what we do is look at candidates. And we don't make endorsements in all races, but in some of the races we feel strongly about or people we feel strongly about, we will. And we invite in candidates. Not all candidates will agree to meet with us, but we invite in candidates to meet with us and, and have an endorsement. And we don't really need to expand on that, I don't think, because when we write them, when our board, once we meet with people and talk about it, our board will sit down and decide, do we want to make a comment? Do we not? And why? And we just try to explain all that within the endorsement. And so the first ones are going to be rolling out this weekend. And we'll make some before the primary, especially the ones where the primary will determine the general election. And then when we get closer to the general election, we'll make some endorsements there. But uh, I, I will say that having done this for a little while, sometimes the endorsement's at the top of the ticket, governor, president, sometimes you know, people won't list because the media is so saturated with messaging. 
But, you know, down on the ticket where we're meeting with judges and state representatives and city councilors, sometimes school board members, um, those do make a difference. And we do meet with them all. So I don't know if there was anything you wanted to add about endorsements. I know it's been everyone's being flooded <laughs> with information. Yeah, yeah. This is a great chance for us to take a look at these candidates and meet them. You know, a lot of times when we see things about a candidate on television or whatever, it's, you know, really, really emotionally charged campaign ads, mailers and all this stuff. And it sounds like, oh my gosh, these people, I can't pick either one, they're terrible. When we get a chance to meet with these people, we get to see who they really are face to face. And a, a lot of times it's not the, you know, it's, it's not like we would expect to see where everyone's just a raving lunatic, you know, reasonable people. And then we can better judge their reasoning behind their stands. And then that's when we can make a good decision on who we want to endorse. And, so, and we don't agree with all the candidates we endorse. Let's let's be very, no. very clear that just because we endorse a candidate doesn't mean we're like, oh, we're in lockstep. No, not not. Matter of fact, there's not I can't think of a time where we've endorsed a candidate where we've agreed with everything, but we are yeah. looking at where do we agree um, the most according to our priorities, according to their priorities. How do they represent their constituency? Are they mm -hmm. representing their constituency well? And so there, you know, a lot of factors that go in there. Uh, but it is it does when you are sitting across the table from someone, you get a whole different measure of that person For sure. than if you're just going by these ads that are. I mean, they're almost like Saturday Night Live sketches. They're so over the top and bad. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. But those are those are coming out. And and also, when you meet with someone, you can ask. We ask them questions rather than the the pitch coming in and telling us what they want us to know. This gives us a chance to ask some direct questions about is other issues that we can actually say. Here's the priorities of our community and what you think. So, um, so anyway, we're kind of moving in. I mean, it's been an emotional week and, uh, you know, it was, I was just wanted to mention last night, I, I honestly almost skipped this. I wanted to go home just cause it was so, it's been a, a rough time, but the Jew Jewish Federation of Tulsa put on a banquet to honor the lawmakers and everyone involved who got the Holocaust education law passed. And I'm so glad I went because for a tough week. It was nice to celebrate something that was going right. And we've talked about that bill before, that it's going to require the Holocaust education in, on, for all Oklahoma students. And it was somber last night, all the long, when we took a, you know time to, you know, a moment of silence. And they really, a lot of people there were sort of talking about these lessons of the Holocaust having relevance today. And even with the, the shootings, they were talking about that idea of silence, that silence is just not an issue, that when you see something, you need to say something, and that when things are going bad in our society, it's a reflection on all of us, that this isn't just a Jewish story, that it, those lessons can be incorporated into other things. And so it was a very thoughtful night. It was, um, it was nice. And so I just wanted to thank the Jewish Federation for inviting me and letting me be part of that. And, and again, I'm, I'm glad that we finally got something on the books for that. So, so that's how I'm ending my week. What about you, Bob? Oh gosh. Um, I know there's going to be a block party downtown for something that could be fun and uh, maybe a book signing to go uh, visit because uh, of 
guy I met not too long ago who's got a book coming out, but who's um, that? Uh, Eric Costanzo. Oh, he's a he's got a him and a co-author got a book coming out, and that's kind of a neat thing. So shout out to him, Pastor South Tulsa Baptist Church. He's got a some interesting ideas that he wanted to get out in black and white to everybody. But um, my thing is what I would tell people is it's a stressful time, a spooky time, stuff like that. And just, you know, I see a lot of people are saying, I just got to turn off the news. I got to get off social media. I just can't deal with it anymore. It's going to be a really nice weekend. Find your way, whatever it is to unplug, de-stress, and find a calm space and stuff like that. There'll be time enough to stress out for all these things that are happening right now. But if it's if it's kind of overwhelming you or whatever, uh, find a way to clear your head and, and give yourself a little bit of peace. I, I will make one last pitch. In our uh, pages this weekend, we've got a pretty uplifting op-ed from Peggy Simmons. She's the uh, president yep. and CEO of PSO. She's on our community advisory board and she wrote, she writes a pretty positive tone uh, trying to say we can get through this. Drew Diamond is a former uh, Tulsa police chief and uh, former community advisory board. He tackles the, should we arm teachers? And then mm -hmm. we also have a piece from an op-ed from a, a, a woman who is a Girl Scout in Locust Grove at Camp Scott in 1977, and she makes some comments about the Hulu documentary. So, mm -hmm. so we have a lot of things to offer, but for those of you needing to have some really optimistic notes, I'd check out Peggy Simmons' op-ed. So it's And if you're looking for some juicy politics stuff, <laughs> go to Bob. Read, he takes on the my, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you might you might read my deal on the uh on the big giant civil war within the Oklahoma GOP right now. It's an It'll interesting piece. Check it out. Reason. So um, we'll be back next week. Please email us, uh, write us letters, and uh, let us know what you're thinking. So thank you, everyone. See you later. <laughs>